Today from the Global Lane, the GOP says bye-bye to Charlotte, but its biggest concern now is over voter fraud and mail-in ballots. People who have died should not be able to vote. Defunding police and race politics. We may have come over on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. Follow the money. Who is funding Antifa and other groups accused of violence during the George Floyd protests? And Criminal Nation, hundreds of thousands of laws and regulations crushing American liberty. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Democrats and Republicans are sounding the alarm about possible vote fraud after primary election irregularities in Georgia. Voting machine malfunctions, provisional ballot shortages, and missing and late arriving absentee ballots are of concern. Once I got inside, I think the most frustrating part was that several of the machines were broken. It seemed like maybe half of the machines were down. I mean, I definitely understand that there are hiccups in technology, but I also feel like the every time I vote, it's some sort of new technology and there's always a problem. I just feel like I don't I feel like maybe it's intentional that it's so difficult to vote <laughs> in general. It's very frustrating that um, that it seems like every single time there are issues. Could this be a harbinger for the upcoming presidential election? Joining us is Tommy Hicks Jr. Mr. Hicks is the co-chair of the Republican National Committee. Tommy, thank you for being with us. The primary election in Georgia was a messy one. It brings back memories of the presidential election of 2000. Remember that? Hanging chads in Florida, the Supreme Court stepping in, stopped the recon. That ultimately gave George W. Bush a victory over Al Gore. So what do you think? Are we in for a messy general election this fall? You know, it's funny. It seems to be very consistent in these deep blue counties where, where, where we have the problems. But, you know, we're very focused on protecting your vote. And uh, we're going to spend $20 million litigating to make sure that these frivolous lawsuits that, that are taking place on the other side don't cancel out the, the legal votes of the American people. And, and uh, we've launched a website, protectthevote.com, that goes through state by state exactly what we're doing to make sure that your vote counts. Well, you're talking about uh, these lawsuits. Now, mail-in balloting. Many Republicans oppose it. Democrats support it. Why is that? And what do you think will happen with this push by several states to do it? I mean, some states like Colorado already do it. Well, it's ripe for fraud. And uh, what they want to do is they want to mail votes, uh, ballots, live ballots to all registered voters, not active. So, for instance, in San Diego recently, we, we had half a million uh, inactive voters kicked off the voter file. And these are people who have moved or, or have died. And still, you have 117% of the residents of San Diego County, California, as uh, registered voters. So you know at least 17% of those votes are fraud. So we can't let that happen. Mail-in uh, uh, voting is ripe for fraud. And I think they're not really purging these uh, rules, are they? I mean, maybe that's an effort that should be done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people who've moved to other states, uh, people who have died should not be able to vote. Well, and that's where uh, voter ID laws come in, I guess. On another issue of concern for the GOP, it seems that North Carolina has now lost the Republican convention this summer, Tommy, because of its failure to reopen from the COVID-19 shutdown. Now, I know Republican Party officials reportedly visited Jacksonville this week, trying to figure out if that city has enough hotel rooms for a convention. Why Jacksonville? And I'm sure Florida Governor Ron DeSantis would be quite welcoming. 
you know, lots of people are, would be very welcoming, and lots of cities have stepped up to to try to welcome this this celebration. It's really unfortunate uh, that that the governor, Democrat governor of North Carolina. Uh, would not allow this to take place the way it should be. It's really bad for the businesses of downtown Charlotte. It would have been a $250 million shot in the arm at a very critical time as we reopen our economy. And uh, we had been working for over a year, well over a year, with people on the ground for over a year working for that convention. And you know what? We've got a great team. And, and wherever it ends up being, wherever the celebration ends up being, we're going to be able to pull it off and do, it, do a great job um, celebrating. Just be careful with Florida, hurricane season in August. Recent polls show the president may face an uphill battle in the race against Joe Biden. We know that social media may be one key in winning the election. Attorney General Barr has once again expressed concern about social media platforms and their censorship. What impact could social media censorship have on the president's campaign and those of conservative candidates this fall? Well, you know, it's it's very important. I mean, censorship is a big deal, especially when you talk about a president who has the ability to connect directly with so many tens of millions of Americans through his Twitter, Facebook, and uh, other accounts. And, and, and this is a president who likes to talk directly to the American people. He likes to be out there uh, having rallies, uh, talking directly through the crisis, talking directly to the American people. And uh, I think it's important that they not censure him or anybody uh, for that matter. And finally, how do you think the COVID-19 shutdowns followed by the George Floyd protests and riots will affect the electability of this president? And he's taken a lot of criticism on both. Well, you know what? The transition back into greatness has begun. Last week, we had a great jobs report. Two and a half million jobs were created. Uh, the experts cr expected us to lose eight, eight and a half million. So we're we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel uh, in terms of the economic recovery. And we know this president built it once. He's the right president to build it again. And I think you're also seeing, you know, the president was very quick to condemn what happened to George Floyd and uh, to seek justice for, for his family. But he was also quick to, to condemn uh, the riots that were taking place. There's a big difference between riots and protests. And uh, I think when he declared Antifa a terrorist organization, that was a really good thing. And, and the violence quickly stopped. Not to mention COVID-19. Yeah, it, it, it stopped too, didn't it? Yeah. Well, thank you. We appreciate you, uh, Tommy. Thank you for your time, time and insights. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. The progressive push is on to defund police departments in some of America's largest cities. In Minneapolis, the city council says it will move to dismantle its police department and create a new public safety system. In New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio says he'll shift police funding to youth initiatives and social services. Attorney General William Barr warns police defunding will lead to vigilantism and more killings. Well, here with us is Mrs. Elvita King. She's evangelist and director of civil rights for the unborn for priests for life. Mrs. King, thank you for being here again. It's so good to see you. So what do you think of this whole effort to defund police in Minneapolis, New York City, elsewhere? What will it mean, especially for people living in minority neighborhoods already devastated by riots? Well, what we must do, even with the riots, with the COVID-19, people not understanding, if I should wear a mask and social distance, but I need to go out and protest and I'll be next to people, how does that work? So we're in the midst of some chaos and confusion. 
I want to remind people not to be fearful, not to be tearful. Don't panic and do prayer instead and get the correct information. Find out from the White House has some good guidelines there for the riots and for COVID. Your governor should have that, your mayors. And so we do that. Thankfully, the church never closed during COVID nor during the riots. The church is us. We are the church. So there is information there on Facebook and Twitter and that type of thing. And also as we worship and read our Bibles and pray, we can get guidance from heaven as well. And that's the best guidance of all. So former Vice President Joe Biden actually agrees with the president on this. He says police should not be defunded. What effect do you think that position will have on his support among black voters in the fall? What we are having now is a situation where violence and unrest and lawlessness occurs. And so Mr. Biden also understands that there must be some order so that America can be safe. He understands that. The president of the United States has been saying that all along and demonstrating by walking with his Bible, by inviting people in to pray with him in the White House, that God is in control of America, not the president. One nation under God, in God we trust. The president says we all bleed the same. So I'm glad to know that Mr. Biden realizes if you take away order, there's going to be a problem. And I know there are injustices committed by police in non-election years, but it seems that larger scale protests, racial divisions are often accentuated in election years. I'm thinking of the Rodney King riots, 1992, Michael Brown and Ferguson in August 2014, and then I think there were riots in Sacramento, Milwaukee, and Charlotte in the summer of 2016, election years. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in off election years, but it seems it's accentuated. So what do you think of politicizing race relations? You can observe two things. During election years, the gas prices go up and go down, and they manipulate those politically, believe it or not. Also, maintaining order is very important. But if you can do something that shifts the attention of the people out of order into chaos during an election season, then the people are more vulnerable. And then it becomes a money game. Who has the most money to get out the ads to calm the people down? However, there's a God in heaven that is not ruled by human mechanics. And so I just ask people to continue to seek the Lord. Examine your faith. And as these things occur, don't be moved. Some things we have to just agree on and vote for, the sanctity of life from the womb to the tomb, not just the babies in the womb, the veterans, the old people, the sick people, the different minority groups. People may have money, but that doesn't mean that they're not people. They're still people. So my uncle Martin Luther King Jr. said, when we value the human personality, we won't kill anybody. So we need to vote for life, for stable families, for safety, security, for jobs, the opportunity to worship as we choose. And I'll even say not worship as we choose. We can't force people to worship, but we should not demand that people not worship. And that's the difference that we sometimes miss. 
And I saw a meme on social media the other day. It was a photo of actor Denzel Washington. Had a quote in it. I'm assuming it was from him. It was about eliminating racism, and it said, an innocent man was murdered by a corrupt cop. And he struck out the words black and white. So what needs to be done now to make more progress against racism in the United States? Well, my uncle Martin Luther King Jr. also said, we may have come over on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. So many of us are at least descended from immigrants. You know, the Europeans coming out of Europe. Some were indigent slaves or servants or that type of thing or trying to run from uh, some legal matters and all of that. And we either shipped here or came here. In Africa, our own African brothers and sisters sold us to white slave merchants and mercenaries. So they did that together. We all get here in America, and there's already a family here called Native Americans, and they were mistreated sometimes as well. So here we have a human condition where we all need to recognize, regardless of skin color, see skin color, we can see God is creative. We have colors in our skins, our clothes, flowers, everything has color, but we're not supposed to fight over it. So we are not colorblind. We can see. But we have to see each other as brothers and sisters. Acts 17, 26 says, God created us of one blood. One race, the human race. Mrs. Elvita King, evangelist and director of civil rights for the unborn for priests for life. Always good to talk to you. Thank you for your time and your insights. Thank you so much. George Floyd, the black man killed by Minneapolis police, was laid to rest following an emotional memorial service in Houston this week. Questions remain about the violence that broke out in American cities in the aftermath of Floyd's choking death. In Minneapolis alone, cost estimates of the damage to businesses are expected to exceed $25 million. So who is responsible for the riots? President Trump is pointing fingers at Antifa and other left-wing groups. And the Wall Street Journal recently quoted civil rights veteran, president of the Woodson Center, Robert Woodson, as saying, there are a small group of people hell-bent on destroying this republic. They're using our birth defect of slavery to devalue our founding principles and virtues and using race grievance as its weapon. We must resist. Well, here with some thoughts on this and to set us straight is Scott Walter. He's president of the Capital Research Center. Scott, it's good to have you with us. So CRC has done a lot of research on left-wing groups and Antifa. What have you found? Are Woodson and the president correct? They definitely are. Although what I always want to caution people is, you know, one of the strengths of the Antifa movement, and I say movement because it's it's a loose you know, amorphous thing. It's not like there's a headquarters on a street somewhere. So one of their strengths uh, that makes them effective is they they tr stay in the shadows. They don't have a head, regular headquarters, regular funding. So it makes it much harder to trace exactly what they're doing. And it lets them always claim, oh, well, that isn't us and you can't prove it. Well, um, I know so, Project. I know Project Veritas just released its undercover video. Uh, it's an investigation of Antifa's militant wing known as Redneck Revolt. So who are they, and who funds them? Uh, well, a couple things. Redneck Revolt is one of the little groups that are sort of part of this amorphous network 
of Antifa groups. So, I mean, almost anybody in Antifa is prepared to be violent. That's part of the essence of Antifa is that you're you're brave and tough and manly and you're ready to be violent. Um, uh, but the Redneck Revolt is a group active in some places, also goes by the name the John Brown Gun Club. If you know your Civil War history, of course, John Brown, shortly before the Civil War, uh, tried to have a violent revolt. There is a little bit of money that, you know, we're very good at tracing money going to the left and throughout the left. And we can find some places where money like George Soros will fund something called the Alliance for Global Justice, and that is what's called a pass-through. It will then pass the money on to uh, individual groups like Refuse Fascism, which was an Antifa-style group that started after uh, Trump was elected. But there's not a lot of money to be traced easily because of how vague all the ties are. Plus, remember, how much money does it cost to get a, a black hoodie, uh, a black face mask, uh, and a couple of bricks, right? You don't need multi-million dollar grants to do that. Well, what can you tell us about other left-wing groups threatening the country? Those like the Sunrise Group that is recruiting young Americans by appealing to environmental concerns. Yes, well, that's that's another lefty group. And by the way, influencewatch.org is our online encyclopedia with ream, thousands of pages of information on all these groups. So influencewatch.org. Sunrise Movement was started just a few years ago um, it is the main backer of what's be the better known Green New Deal. Green New Deal is a couple of bills they're trying to pass in Congress, very radical, the most extreme environmental stuff possible. It's so radical that they've had protests at those well-known conservative right-wingers, Nancy Pelosi's office, Governor uh, Jerry Brown's office when he was in governor of California, um, and folks like that, uh, Governor Cuomo. But they started in 2017, uh, they were they were incubated really out of the Sierra Club and 350.org, which is another big Enviro group, and they pretty much want to shut down the entire modern world, all uh, all non-renewable forms of energy, um, etc. You, you couldn't get more laughably radical. Scott, we're running out of time here, but quickly, uh, so sh should we designate these groups, especially Antifa, uh, terrorists? Well, we should prosecute their violence as terrorist violence, uh, but for complicated legal reasons, there isn't really a good way to designate a domestic group, a terrorist group, the way you do foreign groups, like Al-Qaeda. Okay, we'll leave that up to the Attorney General. Scott Walter, President <laughs> of the Capital Research Center, we appreciate you. Thank you for setting us straight today. Thanks so much for having me. Democrat members of Congress took a knee this week and then unveiled the Justice and Policing Act. It's a sweeping police and justice reform bill. But folks, here's something that will make a bigger difference beyond banning police chokeholds. It's time Congress and the president take a closer look at the criminalization of America. Did you know there are at least 300,000, maybe as many as 500,000, federal regulations on the books? Too many to count. Over the years, the same Congress that is now proposing new laws actually passed those countless laws and regulations. There are maybe 20 to 30,000 laws for use and ownership of guns alone.
And don't forget the tens of thousands of laws passed by state and local governments. President Trump has taken action to eliminate many federal regulations, but many needless laws with criminal penalties would likely take years, if not decades, to abolish. In the meantime, 2.3 million people are currently held in federal and state prisons, local jails, detention and correction facilities nationwide. That's more than any country in the world. One in five are incarcerated for drug offenses. Possess a few joints of marijuana or grams of cocaine, go to jail. Well, I could go on, but you get the point. No wonder we're seeing a kickback against police and demands to defund them. No wonder churches are standing up to governments arresting and ticketing pastors and church attendees. No wonder people like Michigan barber Carl Mankey kept their businesses open despite gubernatorial decrees closing them during the COVID-19 pandemic. By the way, Mankey recently won his case before the Michigan Supreme Court. Retired Louisiana State University law professor John Baker said, quote, there is no one in the United States over the age of 18 who cannot be indicted for some federal crime. That is not an exaggeration. And three strikes laws in a majority of U.S. states are ruining young people's lives. Listen to this from CBN News Washington correspondent Jennifer Wishon, who has spent time researching and reporting on this issue. In some cases, you have um, young people that have gotten into some trouble and then they get caught stealing a pair of socks or some chewing gum at a convenience store, three strikes and you're out, and they are serving a life sentence. And, and again, you know, think about the toll that that takes uh, on that, that person's life, on their family's lives. Um, and also to the taxpayer, um, it costs about thirty to sixty thousand dollars a year per inmate, depending on what state they're in, to keep them incarcerated. Sixty thousand dollars is a salary a lot of Americans would certainly like to have. Folks, a nation with an excessive number of laws and regulations is a nation of unfree people. It's time for all of us to break the chains of big government criminalizing our people, crushing our nation's spirit and liberties with absurd rules for servitude. We should demand that Congress and the president begin immediately to bring real and lasting change to this nation. So where should we begin? How about starting with the Ten Commandments? It's that simple when we look to God instead of government for guidance. Well, that's it from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.